Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. This is show number 50. And this interview is with Giles Palmer, CEO and founder of Brandwatch, a UK-based social media monitoring company that has been around since 2007. Giles is at the heart of mining and understanding text, which remains a hot and rather difficult, if not disputed, area in the world of social media marketing. You'll appreciate Giles' down-to-earthness. And in this conversation I had with him, we discussed the challenges of tracking the social media networks, forums, and blogs to help brands navigate the 2.0 web. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show. Today I'm on uh, a usual distance recording. I have someone from Brighton who's on. We're going to be talking about social media monitoring, uh, and I have been had the chance to be put in touch with Giles Thanks to my friend Joachim Nielsen, based in Paris. So, Giles, tell us who you are, and as my friend Mitch Joel always says, what you do. Uh, thank you very much. Um, uh, I am Giles Palmer. I'm the founder and CEO of Brandwatch. Brandwatch is a um, a company which we which was based, which we came out of an idea that we had about six years ago to allow companies to kind of keep a watching brief, if you like, of what was being said about them on the internet. Um, we kind of saw the emergence of blogs and forums and, and back in back in those days, I guess, MySpace as a place where we as individuals all talked about um, which products or services we liked or which, which bands we liked. Um, and the traditional broadcast-oriented marketing kind of techniques were were beginning to fade away, so we, we kind of realized that brands would need to be able to watch what was being said about them on the web, so we kind of came up with this idea, and then we built, we built this product, and, uh, and actually there's, a, there's, a, there's almost an industry around it, um, and it's kind of this, an, a social media analytics and monitoring industry, so we're one of the players in that, in that space. All right, you um, you've been around now, for, you were, for, we're, we're into our sixth year with Brandwatch, correct? That's right. We launched in August 2007, so yeah, five and a half years ago. <laughs> what 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 have you seen have been the big changes over those uh, five and a half years? Um, primarily in the mindsets of of our, of our potential customers and customers. Well, when we launched, um, I mean, we actually got our first customer pretty quickly after launch, but our second customer took us, you know, several months, and and that was uh, obviously a worrying and slightly difficult time. But uh, I was going out there trying to convince um, convince people to subscribe to this software as a service, as it, as it is. Um, and most of the most of the, the folks that I met would say, "Oh, this sounds really interesting." Um, I, I, you know, I didn't even know this sort of thing existed. Tell me more. Uh, how would I use it? Um, et cetera, et cetera. So it was this kind of bizarre. Um, educational kind of space that I was in. I felt like a teacher, not, an not, a, not a commercial individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that's completely different. So now people kind of get it. Everybody has Facebook pages, YouTube pages, Twitter's huge. Uh, uh, you know, everybody knows that um, that being having a presence in the kind of these communities is, is critical. 
and there's almost a competition for which brands can be more social than than other ones and and who can come up with some funky idea that goes viral and and creates a buzz around the world so you know it's um it's just the acceptance of this free um mass market communications medium that is now being run by us although empowered by facebook and google and twitter but Mm -hmm. effectively run by us the consumers rather than by by the publishers or the advertisers um that is the that that i think has been the big change yeah so giles when i when i listen to you uh there you know with your with your uh, brand watch you've got a business that's been around now for over five and five and a half years and uh, you know while the mindset's changed we also have had the crop up of a lot of competition providing the same kind of services. So the question is really what is the difference between you and the competition? Yeah, so uh, I'll pick two key differences. Um, One is that um, we don't buy in data from aggregators. We get the data from uh, from source. We kind of, we have crawling, uh, we have a crawling infrastructure. That gives us the ability to be more flexible. So our user interface, the way that users can interact with the data is probably more flexible than any other any other application out there. And we're also building in more kind of intelligence metrics to help users actually get through the noise and get to the signals. So so and that's quite hard to do and there aren't many other people that have that are kind of as far down the track in in um, in in data kind of automated analytics, I guess. Um, as, 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 as we are. So, so that would be another key difference. Well, yeah, you've, on the one hand, you've got to, to read, you know, you've got to get the right data, and the other one is the reading part. Yeah. Right? If, let's, if we split down, we just look, first of all, at the, at the uh, collating. My experience is that there's a lot of spam and, and to say the word crap, out there. So yeah. how do you, what are the processes you put in place to cleanse the data at the source? Yeah, so there's basic processes like getting rid of duplicates by making sure that you don't, you know, every new page that's put in isn't, isn't, hasn't been covered already. Uh, there's making sure that the language is classified correctly. Um, spam is a tricky one because um, spammers are very good at kind of taking over perfectly genuine sites and infiltrating, and, and infiltrating them with spam. So you have kind of cheap meds posts on perfectly kind of good forums. Um, so you actually have to go down to the kind of post level rather than the page or the site level with spam, which is which is kind of difficult. And then there's the then there's the whole well, is, how useful is this stuff anyway? So and then and you get into a definition of what is spam and 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 so on and that and that's very very tricky. So so I think the further the more tricky the problems get, the less of a good job we do at it because by nature they're just harder. But the the other stuff, the kind of duplicates and the and making sure we've got all of the data that is is on a site or is classified with the right language, I think we've we've pretty much solved those problems. All right. So you have the automatic component, but in, it sounds like inevitably you do do still need to have a human involvement. Is that something you provide as a service? Um, not not really. We, um, we 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 do provide that as a service on the setup side. So we like to make sure that our customers have to have a setup that is working properly and that, you know, the, the query definitions are all accurate so that the data they're getting back is, is, is good. So we advise on the setup, but you now we partner with, with, um, with agencies and, and other folks on, on, on the service side. You mentioned uh, when we were speaking before about languages and clearly since I, a lot of, uh, or, you know, being based in Europe and all the languages, 
Um, talk us through how you've uh, tried to compensate for different languages. You know, people, some cultures are more bilingual. Tell us about your system uh, that you put in place there. Yeah, so the, the data gathering is the same. The, 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 the crawling network is kind of language agnostic. It doesn't really know or care what language it, it gathers data in. Um, some of the anal analysis uh, is, la is language specific, so sentiment analysis, which is, is, I mean, we can talk a little about sentiment analysis if you, if you like as well, because it's a, it's a tricky area just in general. But, uh, you know, obviously you identify some posts as being German, then you have to apply German sentiment analysis kind of rules and, and uh, techniques rather than English. But in gen general terms, it's the same. It's just, it just has to be localized, to use it. I guess the right phrase. Well, you're, you mentioned before that you know you might have some phrases, some sorry, so pages that have uh, are nominally French or German, but they have, or Scandinavian or Norwegian, say one, and then but there's the some then all of a sudden you have English in there, and your ability yeah. to read Norwegian and then English uh, can confuse the machine. But you said you had a system where you go in once yeah. and then go in twice. Yeah, so, so I mean, this, this one's where, where if you have a page which has more than one language in, if it gets classified, if the page is classified by the kind of language classification um, systems, which are very accurate, actually, um, if it gets classified as English, but there's some, some non-English text in there, then when you set up your analysis and you say, give me all, say, um, French text, and, and it looks at this page, and this page says, oh, this page is in English, you might be missing something. So we've ended up we've ended up kind of doing a two-stage language classification to make sure that we don't miss things like that. And that was really, it was kind of a surprise us when we started testing that, uh, out these kind of techniques that you actually have to do a language analysis twice, once at the page level and then another, next at a post level. So on a Facebook page, people are posting in different languages, so, you, so it's not, the page isn't just English, it's at the post level, which is harder work for the machines, but it gives you better data. Mm. All right, so let's talk about sentiment because I, I think that yeah. it's sort of the holy grail in some respects. It's, it's one a classic th question, isn't it? Isn't it? So um, <laughs> how are we doing? Yeah, how are we doing? I think we're answering the wrong question. That's, the, that's my view actually now. I think that having been doing this for years and have tried different techniques and have teams of you know, total experts in their fields working on this stuff, um, I think but taking complicated language and distilling it down into positive, negative, neutral um, is, is pretty much a crazy thing to even att attempt. Um, not, a, not only is language far more complex than just having positive, negative, neutral, um, it's also subjective. So what could be positive for you might be neutral for me or, or vice versa. You know, so if Arsenal beat Liverpool 1-0, what, is, that, is that positive, negative? No, that's, that's no. Let me just be very clear. Let's right? be very. So, that's very negative. So, I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, probably negative um, for you, but I might be an Arsenal. Oh my gosh! Take that <laughs> off I'm screen. I'm a Bristol City guy. Okay, so okay. They're, they're never going to be any of those. Teams. We're fine. Uh, so, um, so my view is that actually, what we're, what we're trying to get to, rather than sentiment, uh, the, the other question with sentiment is, so what? Imagine if it were 100 percent right. It's like, it's so, so what? What does that? What does that mean? What's that telling me? What do I do with that data? And and again, we've 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 been um, open to attack on both of these points: accuracy and so whatness. Um, a lot over the last five years. And, and it, I kind of woke up one morning and just thought, we're, we're asking the wrong bloody question. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the positive, negative, neutral is not the right question. The right question is: so let's start with the so what. Let's say, okay, what do we want to know? Well, we want to know 
um, when people are about to buy something. We want to know if, if there's a group of people out there who are advocates who we can call on to kind of um, spread our message. We want to know if people are pissed off with our customer service. That's, there's, a, there's, an, there's an element of sentiment in that. There's some dimension of sentiment, but it's not just about sentiment. It's about something else. So, and when we start looking at things and on, in an action-orientated or so-what-orientated way, then we can actually get to better data, um, not just cleaner, but more useful. So, um, so we're, we're beginning to gently retire. We're, we're, we're seeing sentiment analysis as the kind of the, uh, the old man in the corner that who, who, who's, who we're gently going to let kind of fade away in the most humane way possible. Um, because I just we, we don't think that it is the future of the kind of stuff that we do. All right. Well, if I so well, the, yeah, no good, no good. But um, since I'm the old man in the corner in this in this question, <laughs> the 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 concept that. I mean, when you're looking at brands and, you know, you want to know how strong is your brand, uh, you know, is it, is it well regarded and how much, how much confidence do people have in your brand, for example, sentiment yeah. has its place. The, the thing that would strike me as useful is, is not necessarily to say, well, today we have 63% of comments that are favorable and 21% that are neutral and the rest in negative. That, that in and of itself says nothing. What's more interesting is to say, well, over the next six months, we want to move that 63 to 72. And, and what, do you think that's an avenue of interest or is that also a well, that's definitely, um, that, that comes back to the, uh, to two points that you, that you've mentioned. One is the human aspect, you know, bringing in the, the kind of the objectives of the individual or the business into the, into the play, which is critical. Um, and the other, the other is um, being able to have a consistent measurement system, um, which is useful too. But I would, I would go um, a little bit deeper. So I would say, actually, the, the kind of metrics that I want to look at is, I mean, strong sentiment, I do think, is, 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 is interesting. So, you know, hate, love kind of thing. Um, picking out those and trying to reduce the percentage of people that hate your brand, for example, or hate your customer service um, is a very clear business objective, um, which you can also measure in terms of looking at social media. Um, but for me, it has to be tied to the, like that specific thing. So, you know, overall sentiment isn't that useful unless you're tying it to a specific uh, area, some, well, a something product. that somebody has responsibility for internally. Yeah, like so a product. Could, yeah. Anyway. That's, uh, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, cool. All right, good. Well, so you guys are called Brand Watch. Yeah. And I'm a brand guy. Uh, yeah. And so we've talked a lot about brands. My question is, to what extent do you think personalities are important? Yeah, brand personalities, general well, personalities? Yeah, yeah I, I, wanna, I left it open uh, on purpose. Yeah. but. You know, because we can talk about brand personalities, but I was actually thinking about the pers- the people, you know, who are running the brand, for example. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, uh, well, j- just one thing. I mean, you know, defining a brand is difficult enough. Um, <laughs> uh, and well, I, I thought long, long and hard about this when, when we when we did came up with the name. You know, what, what, why brand? We're kind of tying ourselves to this like, concept of brand, and then when you start to think about what is a brand, it's actually it's actually quite a difficult thing to nail down. Um, and, and then, yeah, you bring in the fact that the brands are managed by people and they, they, they kind of exist as separate entities, but they, they're kind of, as you say, they're, they're, they're maintained by individuals and those individuals have their own personality. So 
where does the brand stop and the individual begin? Um, and, and should you encourage people to all adopt one tone of voice and one way of being, or should you should you use the, the qualities of the individuals to to increase the, the, the kind of the brand? And it's a very tough question. I think I think for certain brands for for whom you know uh, the the image is absolutely critical and it's very clear and it has a very very distinct personality. Um, you really do have to kind of you have to be careful with the way that you um, with the individuals that and the, the way that you communicate the, the kind of the tone of voice. So, for instance, if you've got a um, a very high end fashion brand, let's take Hermes, right? Um, uh, Hermes is uh, is almost this kind of um, cloud like brand. You can't really, you know, you, how can you imagine what the Hermes office is like or or the Hermes factory? It's kind of you imagine that it's something otherworldly. It's really, it's very aspirational. It's very, very high end. You, you can't put some 23-year-old intern on their Twitter stream getting answering questions about, you know, Hermes scarves. That would be totally inappropriate, in my opinion. Um, and they might start, to, they might just say some really dumb stuff. Um, but then again, if you're a restaurant chain and you want, or or or, or a um, or a mobile phone company, you actually want people with personality because you're engaging with customers the whole time. So I think the answer is it depends. I, I'm in generally in favor of using the personality of individuals because I think, you know, you just get the best out of everybody and it's more fun. But I think there are some brands for whom that would be quite dangerous. And when you, when you do your analysis, when you, you throw um, material through your, your machine, your machines, uh, what is do you have an ability to detect or do you purposefully go out and detect individuals that are more influential you know this is another area when you're looking at brand watch you might have you know a mass of information and the question is whether it's it's as you're going back to the point of intelligence is it relevant so you know obviously if you have the times that writes about you it's a wholly different thing than you know maybe my little blog how do yeah, you, how do you evaluate I, mean, that? I think it's um it's a big deal, the, uh, the influential, uh, the, the, the whole area of influence. Um, whether you can put one number on it or not is another question. Hmm. How you, uh, and, or, and related to that is how you measure it. Um, there, there are some people who aren't necessarily very influential, but, but they do something and it becomes influential. You like know, a long tail. Or... Have a viral effect and spill over and, and so on and so forth. And then there's other kind of people who are so well networked that generally speaking they can put something out there as it were and just by the fact that it's them speaking kind of just gets gets it's the whole as you say times times versus small local publication kind of argument it's critical it's critical um uh it's just very difficult to actually kind of measure i right. would say it's a moving it's just shifting sand yeah and it probably comes back to what you were looking for all right so uh, giles when you were going into companies and uh you you said you know the mindset shifted you're no longer proselytizing or having to evangelize so much what are the major challenges that you face when you're selling your service into the company and more interestingly possibly what are the the arguments that say wow of course of course i have to do this um, the challenges we, I mean, most of our selling is actually, um, on request. Uh, I guess we, we, we've adopted a more kind of, uh, web 2.0 sales methodology, which is, 
we we put a lot of content out there. We try and be relevant and interesting. Um, we make sure that we are where the buy, where we think potential buyers are, so that, that the awareness of brand watch is as high as possible. And we don't just wait for them to come to us, but there's an element of it. I mean, we get you know quite a lot of inbound leads, say leads or inquiries a day. You know, uh, on average, we're getting you know more than ten every, every day. Mm-hmm. And 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 so so there's so so we turned the selling round. We do have a direct sales team as well. So so that's that's useful. But but the the, the, the to answer your question, the the things that are harder to overcome are. Um, are broadly, well, they're always different. Um, it's kind of, I can't think of one specific thing, if I'm being honest with you. Well, well that's okay, because, I mean, it is a pretty complex uh, question, actually. But if I could just circle back in, and maybe you can come back to that one afterwards. Content strategy. Can you talk us through what is, then, your content strategy, and what, what are the things that you are finding work the most? Absolutely. Um, building a blog, um, uh, building an audience is a long-term commitment. Um, I think that we are now we are now seeing something like 2,000 uniques a day to our site. Um, and that was a year ago. It was about you know 800. Um, so the last year has been really important to us. Uh, we have one, two, three, four kind of full-time community managers who write. Um, on the site and who kind of respond in in social play, in social networks and you know run our LinkedIn profile and our, you know YouTube stuff and so on. Um, they're in different locations, right? To to Germany, to in the US, and and to in the UK. Um, and uh, so it's been a, a long term thing. So what works for us is relevant, timely content, building up our so relevant to social media because that's what we do. Um, Interesting, written for written for consumption, so not written with with a whole bunch of keywords, which are SEO kind of maximised. Written so that people like you and I will read them and think, oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, and then we've started to encourage other people or to write on our blog, and and we write on some other ones as well. So there's building up a bit some relationships and some community. And then we have a weekly newsletter which goes out to about three thousand people called a Friday. Friday hash, one's going out today, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on and so forth. So it's a multi-headed, multi-faceted ap- approach to it. And what we find works really well is we think video content works really well and being just straight up and honest and writing writing in a kind of accessible style works really well. Mm, I love it. Good words for any brand marketer out there. Just to, I always think that it's interesting to to walk the talk and be and do what you are preaching uh, to for others to do. And if you are doing it yourself, then you just are a whole lot more powerful when you go in and talk to other people, don't you feel? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, I, we had a discussion this morning myself and the kind of the head community manager here. Um, he, wants, he was saying that he wants to encourage uh, our commercial teams to um, – to be more active in social networks. I mean, some of them are, some of them, some of them aren't so much. Um, and, and he cited some some kind of best practice from people like um, Hootsuite, who who have lots of staff, kind of um, very active on Twitter and, and and writing blogs and so on and so forth. And so we had a little chat about it. And I mean, I, I completely agree with him. Um, I also said to him that you know um, you should you should give them. 
them a give them a list of sites that that they should they should be reading regularly. So to to be totally up to date with all of the stuff that's happening in our space, which I, which I think would be a good thing. But and then we talked about the uh, the 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 guys in the tech team, like all the product developers, and there's kind of forty or fifty of them. Um, and and he was said when when he spoke to them, they were very defensive about it. They said, look, you know, that's our tw- my Twitter account is not for for the company; it's for me. It's my own thing. So. I'm not going to do that, thank you very much. I'm just going to carry on doing it the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our view is that if you're in the commercial side of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a social media business, a social media monitoring business in this case, you should be, uh, you should be kind of interested in and, and kind of talking about the, the, the area of business that you're in. If you're in the technical side, then maybe not so much. Mm. Um, but that, that was one of the things that happened this very morning. We just had that mm. chat today. Well, that's cool. Well, and and not that I want to be self-promoting because that would seem awfully uncool. Exactly, exactly. But it's, but it's playing a role in the community, isn't it? It's yeah. not necessarily saying, "Oh, this is us." You know, read about us, us, us. It's, it's more about actually having have, building up your own knowledge, building up your own credibility, and making connections. Yeah, I, I just um, I co-wrote a piece with a friend of mine called Eric Millet about um, the sales of the future. And uh, which was published on eConsultancy yesterday. And uh, I talk about this, what is the role of the salesman of the future? And uh, I try to portray where the, where, you know, you absolutely do need to bring in uh, social media as part of your sales kit bag. And, and anyway, that's I'm on, on the case. All right, Giles, I know time is of the essence. So appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and sharing your thoughts and uh, your vision of Brandwatch. Can you tell us how people can read you, follow you? What are the, the best ways? Uh, you clearly have a lot, so give me, give me uh, the ways to reach you. Yeah, so Brownwatch blog is brownwatch.com slash blog. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got this kind of bizarre name on all these social networks because when I started trying to think about what I would call myself, I thought, well, if I call myself something different, um, I'll probably won't have any problems getting the name. So I'm Judo9, J-O-O-D-O-O-9. And, uh, and that was um, the way I came up with that was slightly odd. My five-year-old daughter was in the bath having a conversation with with the, with the shower hose, and um, and the person who she was talking to at the other end of the phone was uh, the other end of the hose was called Judo Nine, which I thought was a completely mad name. So I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll drop that one. So uh, so that's me. I'm Judo Nine on Twitter and um, and and so on and so forth. All right. Well, listen, I put those in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show, Giles. Appreciate it. And I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime... Please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails.
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 